Hi there and welcome to Get Started, the beginner's guide to the stock market by My Wall Street. I'm James and I'm the head of content and publishing with My Wall Street. In this five-part podcast series, I'm joined by Rory, the head analyst here at My Wall Street, as we explore how anyone can make their first move towards becoming a successful investor by following just a few simple steps. The episodes in this podcast are based on My Wall Street's Learn app, a free educational tool that has been downloaded more than 2 million times worldwide. As you listen along, it would be helpful to download the Learn app for yourself and follow along with the lessons as we get into them in more depth and give you some extra tips and insights. If you listen into these five episodes, less than three hours in total, I can guarantee you that you'll have everything you need to just, as the title says, get started. Hi folks, not only do we want to help you get started investing with this educational podcast, but we want to go a step further and get you closer to your first portfolio of stocks. We've been picking market beating stocks for over 10 years now with a strategy based on long-term mindful investing. So we're giving you access to one free stock from our extensive library that we've built and added to over the years. This is an easy to digest report of a high quality business we believe has all the characteristics to be a long-term winner. That's right, a free stock pick just for you. Simply head over to mywallstreet.com to find out more or click the link in the show notes for this episode. So Rory, as this is the first episode of this podcast series, I just wanted to to stop before we get into things and maybe talk a little bit about why we are creating this podcast series. So in recent weeks, you know, a lot of people have been getting into investing and even in recent years, we've seen the longest bull market in history. We've seen the rise in um, cryptocurrency assets like Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Uh, We've seen, you know, really crazy events on the US stock market, like the pumping of GameStop uh, stock earlier this year. Why do you think that a series like this, which goes right back to the fundamentals of long-term buy and hold investing, is so important right now? Yeah, I suppose because of what we've seen recently, I mean, we wrote an app five or six years ago now called Learn, which has been downloaded, I think, over two million times at this point, which is kind of going, going through this exactly what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. But I suppose in terms of refreshing it a bit and putting it out there in terms of what we've seen more recently there is as you said like there's a huge amount of misinformation out there we had an awful lot of especially young people coming to us saying that they listened to advice that they heard on a message board or on twitter or or something like that and they lost a lot of money or they kind of lost faith in the entire thing so i suppose this was a good way of us kind of putting it in another format it's definitely like a beginner's guide. <laughs> so people who've been investing for a couple of years will probably know an awful lot about this stuff already, but they probably don't know an awful lot about the kind of the way we invest, I suppose, and that could be useful to them. Uh, in terms of kind of like a broad outline, I suppose in this first episode, we're really just going to talk about the concept of investing and what are the yeah. benefits of it and how you should set yourself up for success in the world of investing. Then we'll move into kind of more practical elements of it. Then I'll kind of talk about how I and the rest of the investing team here go about finding good companies to invest in. Uh, And then finally, I think the last two episodes will kind of discuss how you monitor your investments and how you kind of build out a longer term portfolio. So those are the things we're going to cover over the next few episodes. But and I suppose this kind of appeals to you mentioned beginner investors. I think it would also appeal to maybe people who've tried out investing before and maybe got burned or or lost money or, or weren't kind of comfortable I suppose with the strategy they were doing and kind of found themselves worrying more and kind of this might be a new approach to them on kind of long-term buy and hold set it and forget it investing 
who is this podcast series definitely not for? Well, I suppose it's not a financial planning course. So this isn't kind of personal finance 101. Yeah. For that, you should probably talk to a registered financial advisor. We're not going to talk about kind of technical analysis of stocks, the kind of stuff that you'd see on we're talking about people who are kind of more trading stocks rather than investing. Yeah. Probably not going to talk much about things like options or cryptocurrencies, although I'm sure we'll kind of you know mention them at some point but uh, they were like the first thing i mentioned in the open <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll we'll definitely have to like uh, you know talk about them a little bit but it's not like this yeah. isn't about teaching people how to invest in options or how to invest in cryptocurrencies and i suppose finally it's not going to be just like a stock picking podcast i'm not just going to stand here and, yeah. and throw out names of stocks people should invest in um there's loads of kind of stock picking services out there for that and also I suppose this is kind of teach you how to do that yourself at the end of it you'll be able to kind of confidently find a company yourself and, and go and invest in it and of course shameless plug we actually have our own stock picking app which is called my wall street <laughs> available to download on all major platforms now and add so Rory let's get into it then um so I suppose the big question for for most people and definitely people at the beginning of their investing journey is why should I buy stocks well you should Buy stocks or you should invest in stocks because it's a way to own part of a business, to be a part owner in a business. And it's one of the ways, it's one of the, the oldest and most kind of reliable ways to build wealth. Yeah. You know, when you think about how people get rich or, or become wealthy, they're either born into it, they inherit a huge amount of money, or they get like a very well paid job that's, you know, that they're making six figures a year, or they start their own business. Um, and yeah. A way of being part of that is to own shares in one of those businesses and to and to grow wealth along with that business. What's great is that you don't have to actually have to run the business. Uh, you don't have to be there in the office nine to five. In fact, the business is kind of working in the background for you twenty four seven. So yeah. owning shares, owning a share as a kind of financial asset, financial assets work for you all the time while you're not you know while you're not sitting at a desk. It's it's what was called unearned income. Yeah. We we also hear the term sometimes of kind of passive income or passive earning. Uh, it's it's kind of a a buzzword that's thrown around quite a lot um, over the last few years. Yeah, so I mean, you can only work so many hours in the in the day. You know, you only got so much time in your life to be working. And um, people want to retire at some point. They want to stop working, so they need to kind of build up other forms of income. Unearned income is that kind of passive income where you're you're generating money not from your actual job. Uh, there's yeah. loads of different forms of it. You know, like if you own a property and you're renting it out to someone, that's a form of unearned income. Um, if you're if you're owning stocks and they're appreciating in in value, and then you get to sell them, that's a form of unearned income. If, if you're getting paid out regular dividends from that company, that's a form of unearned income. So something that people should be trying to do throughout their life is to create forms of unearned income so that they don't end up having to work until they're 70, 80 years old. Yeah. And I think the point as well should be made that you, you often hear of these stories, and, and this is maybe a very Irish context, but you often hear these stories of people winning the lotto or some massive amount of money. And, you know, they're very rich for a while. And more often than not, you hear about them in a few years time and they're back working or they've run out of money or, or whatever stories. And I suppose there's a lot of reasons for it. But I think one of the big points you were trying to get at there is that, you know, labor and actually working doesn't make you rich it, it it gives you a big income but it doesn't make you wealthy and create this kind of generational wealth that this kind of unearned passive investing in in whether it's stocks or property or whatever it has the potential to give you yeah and it's not just 
people winning the lottery, as you say. There's people who are on very high incomes. You know, uh, I think like NFL footballers are a very good example of people who would be making millions of dollars a year. And you regularly hear stories about, you know, four or five years after they've retired, they're completely bankrupt. And um, yes, because they, they stop earning money quite young uh, and they haven't invested in financial assets that are going to keep them going uh, when they're not making a, a, a regular income. So yeah, stocks are, are one of kind of the most common way of doing that. And that's kind of that's kind of what we promote on, on what we'll be talking about throughout this this podcast series. Talk to me a little bit about the ways that, you know, a stock. So if you buy a share or a stock in, let's say, Apple, for example, talk to me about the, the different ways that can make you money. I know there's it appreciates in value, but there's also dividends. Talk to me about the difference between those two. So yeah, so if you buy a stock at a certain price, let's say you buy a stock at $100 and the company performs well over time, you know, in the future, that stock will be worth more money. So maybe it'll be worth $200. So you've made yeah. twice your money. Uh, that's kind of the main way people earn money from stocks, the most well-known way. The The other way is that certain companies pay, pay out dividends, so they pay out regular cash uh, yeah. injections to their shareholders. Um, so they're the kind of two primary ways that you can make unearned income from a stock, either by selling an asset for higher than you bought it for or by receiving these kind of regular dividends. So let's move on then to the actual practice of investing. So, you know, I know certainly when I first became acquainted with investing a good few years ago now, there's there's definitely an idea or a, or a preconception out there that it's kind of, you know, get rich quick schemes and, you know, flipping stocks and pump and dump schemes and all of these things, you know, thanks to, to the Wolf of Wall Street and movies like that. The, the type of stock investing we promote definitely is different to that. And we often talk about how important the importance of time and investing money that you don't need in the next five or 10 years and, you know, investing with this long-term horizon. Can you talk to me a little bit about how important it is to understand the goals of your investments while you're starting out? Yes, yeah, so with our method, we practice long-term buy and hold investing. And that means yeah. that we buy great companies and hold them for the long-term. And it's all based around this idea that within terms of investing, time is your best friend. The longer you're investing, the more likely you are to succeed. And this is, I think, one of the big challenges of getting people started. You know, they think they need to kind of a large amount of money to get started. Um, they think there's no point in investing small amounts, and in particular, we obvious kind of young people who aren't making a huge amount of, of extra money. Actually, the best thing to be doing is to be investing small amounts regularly from as early as possible. Yeah. Not only does it build kind of discipline in terms of your own finances, it helps reduce what we call timing risk, which is that risk that you invest a large amount of money right before a downturn, which, which can happen. And that is probably the number one concern that we see in my Wall Street from, you know, people getting started. They're like, you know, I really want to start investing, but how do I know that I don't invest today and the market crashes tomorrow? Yeah, that's something I've dealt with the entire time I've been at my Wall Street, you know, six, seven years ago. We had people saying to us, why would I invest now? The, comp the market's been on such a massive run. I'm going to wait until the market takes a dive and then I'll start investing. Now, yeah. then there was seven years, six years, pretty much of uninterrupted gains from that point. So what they were doing there was trying to time the market. They were trying to wait for a, for a drop. No one knows when a, a drop is going to happen in the stock market. Um, so the best thing to do is just be investing regularly all the time and, and it'll kind of balance out over the long term. There'll be days when the market's down and you invest and, and you end up buying a little more. There'll be days when the market's up and you end up buying a little less for the same amount of money. But over time, it'll kind of smooth out. Um, that's, that's called dollar cost averaging. It, it smooths out timing risk. 
but just give a, like a, a little example here of why time is so important in terms of investing. I'm going to look at kind of three different investors. Um, let's call them Investor A, Investor B, and Investor C. Uh, investor very, A... Very imaginative, Rory. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a kind of funny triple axe that, uh, that would be relevant, but I couldn't really yeah. think of any... No, most, most famous ones are duos. <laughs> yeah, lots of double axe. I can't think of any triple axe. <laughs> Triples. Anyway, so Investor A, let's say, he starts out with $1,000. Um, and decides to invest $200 every month and he gets 10% a year. I'm using 10% a year return because that's it's not fully accepted that that's the average return of the US stock market. It depends on kind of what what you look at, but 10% is kind of generally accepted as a, as a number to use for the average return. Yeah. So this investor A has $1,000 to start. He puts in $200 every month at 10% and he waits for 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, he'll have about a million dollars. That's a million dollars from starting with a thousand, just investing $200 a month. Then investor B, he starts off the same. He starts with a thousand dollars. He puts in $400 a month. And again, is investing for 40 years at 10%. He makes $2.1 million at the end of the, that yeah. 40 years. Now example C, the person starts off with a thousand dollars again. He puts in $400 per month as well, but he's only investing for 30 years. That person ends up with only $800,000 in, okay, so in this kind of hypothetical situation. The investor A, who's only been putting in $200 a month, outperforms investor C, who's putting in $400 a month because investor A has been investing 10 years longer. Um, yeah. So that's just a, a very quick example of why time is so important. So the longer you're investing, the better your results are going to be if you in this kind of hypothetical 10% a year situation, which is what the stock market typically returns. Remember, folks, head on over to mywallstreet.com to get access to our free stock analysis. We've picked one outstanding business from our extensive back catalog and we're giving it to you for free. And a big part of this and understanding why there's such a difference between those two investors is, is the idea of compounding and, you know, I definitely remember from, from being in school that compound was kind of a dirty word and something everyone was a little bit afraid of. And I actually read before we started recording this, about 66% of Americans don't actually understand the idea of compound and compound interest. So can you talk to me a little bit about compounding and how that works in terms of the, the length of time you are invested in the market? So compounding yeah, is really the secret sauce of investing. And as you said, it's often totally misunderstood. Compounding is when the money that you earn starts earning money itself. So we use the 10% per year example again. So let's say you start, you invest $1,000 and after one year it, it earns 10%. So you've made $100. And at the end of the year, you now have, you have $1,100. The next year it makes another 10%. Now, even though the percentage is the same, you haven't earned $100 in the second year. You've actually earned $110. So you're making 10% off the $1,100. Now it sounds, yeah. doesn't sound like a lot of money at the start, but it keeps building every year and every year the return is based on a larger amount. So $1,000 at 10% for 10 years with no other contributions would be worth nearly $2,600. So you've more than doubled wow. your money for nothing there. You know, you've, you've yeah. put $1,000 in, waited 10 years and your money's more than doubled. In 20 years, it's worth close to $7,000. In 30 years, it's worth something like $17,500. 
and in 40 years it's over $45,000. Now you can see like every 10 years the amount it's increasing is growing exponentially. Yeah. And that's all down to this idea of compounding that the $1,000 you start with keeps growing and keeps adding on these 10% chunks every year that it goes on. Now, keep in mind that example. That's just you putting in $1,000, assuming no other contributions, your money's increased 45x. That's a pretty good deal, if you ask me, to, for, for doing no other work, for we're not, yeah. not making any other contributions. You can increase your money by 45x. And it's all down to this idea of compounding and all about just you know, time, just letting it sit there and do its job. Um, now, you know, typically that's not going to be the typical investor journey. You, as you get older, you know, if you're following the kind of traditional career path, you'll start making, you start get, you'll get better jobs, you get promotions, you start making more money, and you can add more to that thousand dollars every month. And as soon as that money goes into the market, it starts its own compounding journey, and that's how you build kind of long-term wealth. Well, as you mentioned there, Rory, um, you know, the the idea is to you know start small and build up as hopefully you begin to earn more throughout your your career, but I suppose another roadblock a lot of people face is actually just getting started. You know, a lot of people maybe in their late teens, early 20s, maybe coming out of college or, or going into their first job are, are really living hand to mouth and, and not having, you know, savings, never mind money to invest. So how do you get started? How do you, you get to the point where you're, I suppose, financially viable enough to make that first step into investing? Yeah, there's a joke by a popular Irish comedian who's he's doing this comedy show and he asks the audience if anyone he says put your hand up if anyone here works for a bank and no one puts yeah. their hands up and then he asks okay how many of you have a mortgage a car loan a credit card or an overdraft and pretty much everyone in the audience puts their hand up and he kind of laughs and says well who do you think you're working for then <laughs> and so yeah that's i think that's a, a a situation a lot of people find themselves in and um, that's why we talk about this concept of pay yourself first which uh, i first came across in the book by George Carson called The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a kind of very yeah. old business book or a personal finance book, really. And the idea is that, you know, in the situation where you were making a salary of, let's say, $2,000, uh, your rent is $500, your bills are $500, and then for food, you spend $500. And then there's kind of $500 that you always end up spending on kind of discretionary purchases, like going to the cinema or going to the bar or something. So... Yeah. Every month, $2,000 comes in and $2,000 goes out. In this scenario, you really have to ask who you are actually working for, because at the end of the month, the landlord has $500, the company that you pay your bills to is $500, the grocery store is $500, and the cinema and bar owners have $500, and you don't have anything. Um, mm. You know, The only thing you have to show for it is that you're alive at the end of the month. <laughs> you know, you've, you've eaten and you've had a roof over your head. Silver lining, yeah. Lord, come on. <laughs> So the concept of paying yourself first is about ensuring that at the end of every month you have something to show for your work. And I don't mean like a new pair of jeans or something. I mean, you actually have like a financial thing, a financial thing to show that you have done that work. And that's, yeah. that's, that's money for you. It's for your future. So what we say is don't... So what a lot of people do is they spend all the money they have to spend every month and then they hope at the end of the day that there's something left for them to save the what we say is to do it the other way around and so the, the first thing you should do as soon as your wages land in your bank account is pay yourself first and that means taking out a small amount of that money putting it aside for you and then spending the rest of whatever you have to spend it on yeah how much that is is kind of really down to you but a kind of good goal is kind of 10 percent of the money that you're bringing in if you're able to, to 
put away 10% of your income, you're on a really good starting point. You know, if you can't do that now, you really either have to kind of, you have to kind of improve your financial situation. Um, so, you know, either get a better paying job or reduce your expenses. Um, I know that's far easier said than done, but unfortunately, if you can't figure a way to do that, you will end up in this kind of never ending cycle where you work and you have nothing to show for the work you do every day and you're never going to be able to build long term wealth. Yeah. And so it's it's really just a kind of a mind shift, um, you know, instead of paying the bills first and then kind of investing what's ever left over, it's it's investing first and making sure that you've enough to pay the bills, maybe cutting back on that extra glass of Ryokin or Donahue's or... Leave my glass of Ryokin alone. Um, yeah, it's about <laughs> getting into a mindset where the money you earn should be used as an investment in the quality of your life. So getting into a kind of investing mindset. And that's not to say that you shouldn't, you know, go out and buy a Starbucks. You know, it can be one of those people who says, if you just cut down on Starbucks and avocado toast, you'll be rich in a couple of years. Yeah. But do start thinking about kind of investing your money rather than spending it. And when you start thinking like that, like an awful lot can change. Um, and that comes down to like even your like your purchases. You know, I, I recently bought a mattress, so I'll use a mattress as an example. Um, if you're going to buy a mattress, you could go to, you know, a discount store and buy one of the the, you know, the cheapest one you can find and you think you're saving money but you're actually not you're kind of falling into this kind of false economy trap where that cheap mattress is probably going to be bad quality you're probably going to sleep terribly you're going to wake up every morning kind of feeling groggy and in two or three years you'll probably have to replace it if you've done some research and buy a good quality one it'll it will cost you more at the time, but you'll end up sleeping better and it'll last you a decade. That's a kind of investing mindset. Now, like, yeah. you know, I'm not saying go out and buy the most expensive mattress you can find. It's all about kind of finding one that's within your price range, but investing in it as this is something that I'm going to have for a long time. And and you can do that with your purchases and you can do that with your investing as well. You can do that with the stocks you're going to buy. But in terms of kind of feeling that way about like the money you're spending you know first of all you should try and build up kind of a cash cushion of some of some sort yeah. far too many people as you said live kind of hand to mouth and have no money for an emergency and things will happen in your life that require immediate funds if you have a cash cushion that means you can absorb that and your life won't be meaningfully changed yeah and and that aligns with a, a big point that we always make is that the money you invest should never be money that you you need to pull out of the market within five years at least ideally 10 years that you know your investment account should not be seeing as a savings or an emergency cash pile yeah absolutely so that's, that's why we kind of say before you start investing try and build up a cash cushion try and have some money that's not tied to stocks that's you know you're probably gonna have to just put it in a bank account where you're not making any return these days but it'll prevent you from having to make harmful decisions in the future like taking out a payday loan for example or having to rely on a high interest credit card that's going to cost you more over time now, of course, like how much your cash cushion is kind of depends on what stage of life you're in. If you're young, you don't have many responsibilities, you haven't got people depending on you. Trying to have a couple of months worth of expenses set aside is, is a good cash cushion to have. You know, if you've got a family that relies on you, you know, you'd want to be more like kind of the six months expenses area, you know. Yeah. You know, if you lose your job or someone gets sick or there's you know, there's an emergency that you need money for, you should have a good amount of money saved up in order to in order to protect yourself. 
And if you're retiring soon, obviously you're moving on to a, a kind of fixed income. You obviously want to be much more than that. This is the money you're going to rely on for kind of the rest of your life. So that is the, kind of the first thing you should start doing before, even before yeah. you start investing, is start building up a cash cushion. The next thing is to kind of monitor your spending. It sounds simple, but it's people just don't do it. You know, um, get a budgeting tool of some sort. Uh, there's plenty of good free ones. I think Mint is, has a good one or Quicken Online has a good one. And, you know, it doesn't have to be exhaustive. Just try and get a kind of idea of where your money is going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're anything like me, you'll be surprised how much money you could be saving if you, you know, cut back on certain things, cut back on restaurants. Yeah. And I think after the year we've just had, you know, when I look at my bank account statement, sometimes I'm surprised at all the things I'm subscribed to and especially all the streaming services. I'm like, wait, when did I subscribe to that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Look back, look, take a look back over your bank account and see where money is going. Just get a kind of sense of it. And finally, you kind of start asking yourself, is this the best investment I can make with my money? And sometimes, you know, sometimes you decide it is, you know, it's important to enjoy life. You can't just yeah. be constantly saving money and never spending. And the best investment may be going out with your friends and having a few drinks and having a nice meal some night. But, you know, if you look over it in terms of months and years, can you save a little bit more? Can you put a little bit more aside in order to start investing and, and building kind of a more stable financial future for yourself? It sounds like a bit of an existential crisis at the bar standing there saying, is this the best investment I can make with my money? But I get your point. So just to go over those three again, those three points to start kind of getting into that investing mindset with your money, build up a cash cushion, which is obviously very, very important. Monitor every dollar you spend and ask yourself with every dollar you do spend, is this the best investment I can make with my money right now? Let's talk about timelines then. So again, we've mentioned loads and loads of times, long-term buy and hold investing, but long-term means different things to a lot of different people. So say for myself, for example, who's in my early 30s, long-term could mean 20 to 30 years. For somebody in their late 40s or 50s, long-term obviously doesn't mean that long. So how do you get an idea of your own timeline? Again, it's one of those things that's incredibly personal, but you should sit down and kind of plan out, you know, just a rough sketch of what your kind of your financial timeline is going to look like. Uh, if you really want to get into it, you can go and see a registered financial advisor and they'll talk you through it. But, you know, as, as you get older, your needs change. At some point, you're probably going to want to buy a house or you're going to want to put a deposit down the house at least. At some point, you yeah. might want to get married. At some point, you, want, you, you, you might want to have kids. All these things change your financial world in a, in a massive way. Um, and so this idea of kind of figuring out a timeline for yourself and trying to, f trying to gauge the money you're going to need in your future is, is quite important. So, and so this is kind of, I'm going to take this as kind of separate from what we call from that cash cushion from the emergency fund. So let's say that's, that's already sorted and, and that stays there. That's not part of this kind of broader financial plan. But you need to kind of figure out what money you have and where you're going to need it. You know, so as you said earlier, money that you need in the next year should definitely not be in the stock market. You know, if, you, if you've okay. already got a plan that's some, that you've got a big expense within 12 months, that money definitely should not be in the stock market. Sorry, and why should we not keep it in the stock market? Because the stock market fluctuates greatly. You know, it's a volatile place to store money, especially over the short term. And, you know, it has happened in the past. It doesn't happen very often but it has happened yeah that stocks the entire stock market has fallen 30 to 50 percent over a short period of time and um, look back at the financial crisis it happened within a couple of months 
like I said, it doesn't happen very regularly, but it will, it, it has happened before. It probably will happen again at some point. And you don't want to be in a position where you need that money and the, and the market suddenly tanks because at that point, you know, you have to lock in a loss. So you're planning on putting a deposit down a house or paying for college or getting married or any of those major expenses in the next 12 months, that money should definitely not be in the stock market. It should be in a bank account. Um, yeah. A bank account, you know, you can't make any money out of the money in your bank account, especially in the current interest rate environment, but it's a safe place for your money to be. It means that it's not going to disappear on you when you need it the most. Now, kind of in the past, you know, if, in the past there were kind of other there were other safer options than the stock market that could provide a kind of modest return, things like bonds or certificates of deposit. At the moment, we're in a very low interest rate environment, so you're not basically making any any money off those. But again, these are safe places to put your money. Really, you know, money that you need even in the next kind of two to three years shouldn't be in the stock market, you know. Um, okay. But being realistic, th- looking at the other options that are out there, you probably could put some of it into the market, either into kind of funds or into very stable stocks and then keep another portion of it in cash. Um, we get to this idea of money that you're not going to need for the next five years. That's when we start talking about the stock market. That's what the stock market's for. It's for money that you're not going to need in the next five years. Because uh, this is where your money can grow. It's where your money is working for you every day. And historically, you know, it's going to go up and down. The stock market fluctuates. It, it never goes up in a straight line. But historically, if you leave it alone, let it do its job, it will go up. You know, it's, uh, if you look back over the, the history of the stock market, it goes up. You know, we're using the, the, the number 10% a year. So it goes up historically 10% a year. Now, some years it'll go down 20%. Some years it'll go up 20%. But overall, it'll kind of, it'll grow over 10% a year. And the longer you just let it do that, the better your chances are of especially not losing money. Whatever, making money, your chances of not losing money are greater yeah. the longer you the longer you just let it go. Absolutely. So that's the end of today's episode. So just to go back over some of the main points we covered here, we covered the reasons why that we believe you should buy stocks and stocks are a great long-term investment. Uh, the idea of time and compounding in being successful in stock investing. The idea of paying yourself first in order to get to a place where you can make your first investment and the three steps you can take to saving enough money to get yourself financially prepared to start investing. And finally, we talked about timelines and how you can figure out your own timeline. In the next episode, we're going to explore some of the practical elements of investing, including concepts like penny stocks, dividends and margins. See you then. That's it for today's episode. If you like what you're hearing and want to level up your investing game, take the first step by heading over to mywallstreet.com to get access to our free stock analysis.